0: Well, friends, have you ever felt like the world is not as it should be? Uh, over the past few weeks, I've been having some conversations with uh, a number of my international student friends, and they've been telling me about some of the disasters and the atrocities that have been committed in their home countries. Uh, they speak about their fears of, uh, for their loved ones back at home, uh, their concern for all of the people there, uh, their concern for the future of what, what lies ahead. And more often than not, they kind of end the conversation uh, by telling me that they feel like the world is just, just isn't as it should be. Uh, now, I think that's something that we can all resonate with. Uh, you know, we look out into the world and yet we see it's, uh, it's a beautiful and magnificent world that God has made. There is so much to be thankful for. But we also know that there's something deeply wrong. Uh, we see brokenness in our world and we know that this is not how the world is meant to be uh, we see brokenness uh, in the world out there uh, as a century's worst flood tears apart hundreds of lives in uh, the southern part of india in the last uh, last month uh, we've seen brokenness in our own country uh, as backstabbing and uh, political maneuvering has happened uh, we've seen not leaders who are interested in the the Fate of the people, but in their own selfish ambition. Uh, but perhaps worst of all, I think we've seen brokenness in here as well, in the world right here. We see death and discord within our churches, uh, sickness and suffering in our families, and shame and sin within ourselves. You know, we take a look at the world and we know that this is not how it's meant to be. And so we long for a world free from this brokenness, free from this mess. Well, uh, in today's passage in Matthew 9, we see that uh, Jesus actually brings a wonderful answer to the deep human longing for a new and better world. Uh, In fact, we see that Jesus is the one who brings in this new world himself. Uh, In the ministry of Jesus, we get to see just a small taste, a small preview of what it's like to live in the world as it should be. Uh, And in a way, that's kind of a summary of what Jesus has been doing all along. Uh, In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has been, as he's been going about his ministry, he's been showing us what it's like when the kingdom of heaven arrives. Uh, I think we've seen it supremely uh, in Jesus' authority and desire to call and forgive sinners, Uh, We saw it last week when Jesus talked about the reason why he's come, uh, that is to call sinners back home. And I think this week we'll see how this uh, mission of Jesus forms part of God's bigger plan for bringing in a whole new world uh, and this world will come in through the Lord Jesus Christ. And So in Matthew 9, we'll see uh, what this new world that Jesus brings will be like. Uh, We'll see how it answers the brokenness of of our own world, uh, and we'll see how it is that we enter this new world. And so my three main points to structure our time together in Matthew 9, uh, if you have an outline, it'll be on there. Uh, It's number one, resurrection. Jesus brings a world free from death. Number two, reversal. Uh, Jesus brings a reverse to the curse of sin on the world. And number three, response. Jesus brings people into this new world through faith. And so that's uh, resurrection, reversal, and response. Uh, And if you're following in your outline, we're at point two now, uh, resurrection. Well, uh, we pick up the passage in Matthew 9, verse uh, 18. We pick it up exactly from where we left it off last week. Uh, If you were with us last week, uh, you'd remember that Jesus was dining with tax collectors and sinners. Uh, And last week, we saw two different groups of people come to Jesus and ask questions of him. Well, uh, Matthew tells us uh, quite suddenly that Jesus has a new dinner guest um, at, at this house. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, let's uh, flip it open and turn to chapter 9, verse 18 of Matthew's Gospel, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll pick it up from there. So verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Well, Matthew starts off this section by introducing us to a man who knows only too well uh, the brokenness of this world. Uh, We're told surprisingly very little about this man. We're not told his name or where he's from. Uh, All we know is that he is a ruler and that his daughter has just recently died. Uh, I think all of us know that death is a horrendous thing to go through. But I think we could agree that there's something especially distressing when it happens to little children. Uh, There can be no greater sign of the brokenness of our world than when we see little children die. And this man, this ruler, uh, was unable to do anything to help his daughter. Uh, For all his uh, strength and power, for his high position, for all his authority, he just wasn't able to do anything to help his daughter, to save her from death. Uh, everything he had in the world was ultimately pointless when it came to this most desperate need of his. And So this uh, deeply distressed and desperate man turns to the only one who can help him. Uh, he turns to the only one who could uh, help return his beloved, beloved daughter to him. And so he turns to Jesus and he asks Jesus to do the seemingly impossible, to overcome the powers of death itself. Well, uh, what Matthew tells us next is uh, what we'd expect. Uh, Jesus follows the man in order to help him. You know, That's the kind of thing that Jesus would do. It's what he's been doing all along. There's no real surprise there. But I think what is surprising in the text is the way Matthew quite abruptly introduces us to another character. Uh, take a look with me at verse 20. From verse 20. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Uh, Matthew kind of intrudes upon the story of this ruler's daughter. And I think as a reader, you can feel a little bit of tension. You're concerned about what's going to happen to this little girl. But as you read the situation of the woman, I think you're... uh, you'll put at ease a little bit because you realize that this woman also is going through a terrible plight. Uh, She's been bleeding for about 12 years. Uh, I think when you consider the the fate of this woman, I don't think there's any way we could possibly overestimate the kind of pain and the brokenness that she would have gone through. Uh, 12 years, that's more than 4,000 days that she's experienced severe pain and hemorrhaging as well as ritual uncleanness according to God's word. Uh, She's spiritually separated from God and his people, and she's physically dying. Uh, I think she is yet another victim of the brokenness of the world that Matthew presents before us. Uh, And this woman, in all her desperation, comes to Jesus as her last resort. Uh, And Matthew kind of gives us a preview into her very thoughts. Uh, She's convinced that even touching Jesus' clothes is enough to save her. It's enough to to bring her out of the pain and the suffering she's endured for years. Uh, She trusts that Jesus is able to do what nothing else and no one else has been able to do for her. She trusts that Jesus is able to save her. Uh, And in verse 22, we see that Jesus does exactly that. Uh, Jesus um, actually saves this woman from her plight. He turns to her and makes her well. Uh, The word in verse 21 and 22 uh, for made well is actually the Greek word for salvation. Uh, What Matthew is talking to us here is about this woman's salvation. Uh, The woman hoped that Jesus would save her in verse 21. Uh, Jesus tells her that she's saved in verse 22. And then Matthew confirms it for us by saying, from that very moment, she was saved. Uh, You see, the situation for the woman changed in the blink of an eye. She went from uh, bleeding to death to blessed by God. I think here we see a glimpse of the amazing salvation that Jesus brings. And for this woman, it was a salvation from death itself. Well, uh, in verse 23, I think Matthew then brings us back into the story that we started with, uh, with the ruler and his daughter. So Matthew uh, returns back to this account. And in verses 23 and 24, uh, Jesus arrives at the house to find a commotion of grief at this terrible passing of the girl. Uh, this was a common Jewish practice. I think uh, while our practice in funerals is to uh, is to have silence and silently grieve, uh, the Jewish practice was to make as much noise as you possibly could. Uh, the louder the grief, the the, the more we, we acknowledge what's going wrong here. Uh, but Jesus arrives and he tells them to leave. And in verse 25, if you look at verse 25 with me, we see uh, what power Jesus has to overturn this terrible situation. Verse 25. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out through all that district. Uh, It's actually quite amazing that Matthew records this account with uh, quite remarkable brevity. He he doesn't go into any detail at all. Uh, He just kind of records it and kind of says it happened. Uh, Jesus held the poor girl's hand and she was raised from the dead. Matthew's not particularly concerned with the mechanics of how this miracle happened. Uh, He considers them relatively unimportant. Uh, Instead, Matthew focuses on the one who is doing this miracle and what this miracle means for uh, those in the story and, and us readers as we follow along. And as we're seeing, it's the Lord Jesus Christ here who brings the power to defeat death. Uh, we see it as uh, Jesus returns this resurrected girl to her grieving and distressed father. I mean, can you imagine how incredible this scene would have been uh, to see the parents once again embrace this little girl that they thought that they lost forever? Uh, in the midst of an impossible situation, Jesus has brought a new world of life to his family. So you see, friends, Matthew is showing us that Jesus is bringing the answer Uh, the answer to the problem of death in this broken world. Uh, Jesus' answer is uh, the power of resurrection. Uh, I think we've seen it in this account, both in this little girl and in the woman who was bleeding. In both cases, Jesus has saved them from death. He's essentially raised them both from the grave. And so Jesus is bringing uh, an answer to humanity's greatest problem. Uh, Jesus is bringing in a world that is free from death. And I think uh, even for us today, Jesus brings this real and certain hope. Uh, for those of us that trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the promise of eternal life, of life beyond the grave. Matthew is essentially showing us Jesus is this world's only hope for freedom from death. And he's proven it here in this episode. He proves it ultimately by his own death and resurrection. And so I think one of the implications here is that uh, the hope that Jesus brings is for a future resurrection day. Uh, that death will not be the final, the final end. That there will be a day when there will be no more funerals or no more grief for those whom we love, who we've lost. There will be a day when Rookwood Cemetery and all the graveyards of the world will be completely empty. There will be a day when the dead will rise to life again and when death itself will be destroyed. This is the great hope that Jesus brings, a hope of a world free from death. And so friends, can I ask, do you share in this hope? Do you know the great comfort of the resurrection? You are looking forward to this death-free world that Jesus brings. The pain and the suffering of death is something we all experience, uh, whether we've seen um, loved ones go through uh, this ourselves or whether we've lost loved ones. but you see, friends, what Matthew is showing us is uh, this hope that Jesus brings is sh- uh, is what strengthens us during times of grief and loss. You see this hope is what keeps us going when it all seems too much. Uh, this hope is what reminds us that this life is not all that there is. Uh, Rather, we look forward to a resurrection life. Uh, We look forward to a new world that Jesus brings uh, that is free from the power of death. So friends, do you share in this hope? Well, um, just as quickly as Matthew's been moving through these accounts of Jesus, he uh, now moves into another episode in Jesus' ministry. And this time, uh, Matthew shows us how Jesus brings a reversal uh, to the curse of sin on this world. Uh, we're at point three, if you're following the outlines, uh, reversal. Uh, so I'm going to pick it up with verse 27, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. Well, uh, no sooner had Jesus fixed one problem than the next one arrived on the scene. Uh, After raising this poor girl from the dead, Jesus is confronted by the reality of two blind men who call out to him. Uh, Clearly, these men had heard of Jesus' power to bring healing, and so they follow him. Uh, They call out to him. They call him the son of David, uh, which is another way of calling him God's chosen king, uh, the Messiah. And They call out that, uh, God's Messiah would have mercy upon them. Uh, you see, again, we're being introduced to uh, more victims of the brokenness of the world. Uh, we don't know whether these men were born blind or for how long they've been this way. Uh, all we know is that they're suffering uh, in a cursed world and they want Jesus to do something about it. Uh, Matthew uh, keeps going on, so in verse thirty two we're going to be doing a little bit of kind of uh, moving to and fro in the story, but in verse thirty two uh, Matthew continues in his narrative as he shows us yet another person who suffered under the curse of sin in this world so I'll read verse thirty two verse thirty two as they were going, behold a demon oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. Uh, Matthew records that this mute man he was probably mute because He was oppressed by the demon. Uh, This mute man was brought to Jesus. You know, it's amazing if you read through the Gospels uh, how often Jesus is uh, confronted and inundated with the needs of uh, desperate people suffering in the world. Jesus is continually surrounded by people who are just kind of broken in the world. And this time in particular, I think it's people uh, suffering the effects of living in a world uh, under the curse of sin. Friends, the Bible tells us that this was not the way the world was like from the beginning. Uh, the good world that God had made was free from these kinds of terrible afflictions. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2, I think, describe for us a good world filled with plenty, filled with goodness, filled with life, and filled with relationship with God. Uh, it's the world as it really should be. Uh, but the story of the Bible tells us that as mankind is rebelled against God, As man has chosen to ignore God and to run the world our own way, uh, we see that the world is torn apart by brokenness. In Genesis 3, we see that God curses the world because of man's rebellion. Uh, We see blindness, disease, suffering, and even death entering into the world. So this is how the world has been ever since uh, that dreadful day. Uh, But the Bible tells us that God in his mercy will not leave the world this way. Uh, God has promised a time when uh, the curse of this world will be overturned. Uh, God promised through the prophets of the Old Testament a future time of restoration and salvation. And we saw some of these very promises in our Old Testament reading just a little earlier. Uh, It's in Isaiah chapter 35 that God promises to return the cursed world back to its former glory in isaiah thirty five God describes to be uh, god uh, God describes what appears to be a barren wasteland a desert being turned into a lush and beautiful garden uh, It's a picture of the world returning back to the Garden of Eden and as this picture unfolds we see a reverse of the curse upon the world uh, isaiah thirty five five and six it's on the screen behind me uh, we see this picture kind of unfold uh, I'll read it now isaiah thirty five verse five Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Isaiah presents for us a picture of a reversal of everything wrong with the world. Uh, Blindness is being reversed back to sight. Muteness is being reversed back to speech. Uh, It's an incredible picture of things as they should be. And Isaiah ends the chapter by uh, making amazing promises that God will be with his people and they will have a time of everlasting joy and everlasting gladness. A time when sorrow and sighing will be gone forever. Uh, It's a beautiful picture of what it will be like when God brings in his new world. And friends, this is exactly what we've been seeing in the ministry of Jesus in verses 29 and 30 if we want to go back to Matthew chapter 9 in verses 29 and 30 in Matthew 9 we see Jesus bring about this amazing reversal of blindness back to sight in verse 33 we see the mute man speaks and the people marvel as they see something in Israel that they've never seen before you see friends Matthew is showing us that in the ministry of Jesus we're getting a small taste of what it's like in God's new world. Jesus is fulfilling God's promises of reversing the curse of sin on the world. Jesus is bringing a world not just free of death, but free of sickness, free of sadness, free of distress, and free of sin. Jesus is bringing about God's promises for a new and better world. As we keep reading through the rest of the New Testament, Uh, we see that uh, even the apostles affirm that uh, Jesus ultimately ushers in this new world, this kingdom of God, through his death and resurrection. Uh, It's only as Jesus dies in the place of sinners on the cross, uh, it's as he rises from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God, ruling over the universe, it's only through all of this that God's new world begins. You see, it began all those years ago, and it will be made visible to all when Jesus returns. And so we're seeing the, the kind of beautiful picture of what God's promising here. The world that Jesus brings, the world that is void of everything we, we long, for, that is filled with everything we long for. But as we see this glorious new world that Jesus is ushering in, I think the, the question that Matthew kindly of leaves us with is how do we enter this world? You know, it seems like the world that Jesus is bringing in is the answer to every human longing. It's what we're all deeply searching for. But How do we become part of it? How do we escape this world of sickness and death? And I think uh, Matthew answers this question uh, by highlighting to us the different responses of the characters in our passage. Uh, And so we're at point four in your outlines, uh, response how do different people respond to Jesus in our passage. And so as, uh, as we've been seeing, Jesus is giving a little taste of this new world, uh, bringing in a world free from calamity and destruction. And we see that, uh, and we've also been observing how different people kind of respond to Jesus here. Uh, people come to him in desperation and we begin to see how it is that they experience uh, the benefits of Jesus' new world. Uh, We saw it in verse 18, so all the way back in the beginning of our passage. In verse 18, the ruler, when he comes to Jesus, he comes kneeling before him. He does nothing but utterly depend on Jesus' mercy towards his precious daughter. Uh, You see it in the example of the bleeding woman. I think it's a bit more explicit there. Uh, She exercises something of what we might call a superstitious kind of faith. You know, I just need to touch the edge of his garment. And yet Jesus replies to her in verse 22. Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Again, we see another example in the two blind men. They call out to Jesus for mercy and Jesus replies in verse 29. According to your faith, be it done to you. And then finally, in the last example, we see people who bring this mute man to Jesus. Uh, They don't come confident in themselves, trusting that somehow they will fix the issue. They come to Jesus believing that only he can reverse the curse upon this man. So friends, I'm hoping you're starting to see a bit of a repeated pattern here. Uh, In every one of these responses, either explicitly or implicitly, we're told that Jesus commends uh, the the response of faith. Uh, And it's the response of faith that brings people to enjoy the benefits of Jesus' new world. You see, it's simply by trusting in Jesus that people are saved and they experience the new world that Jesus brings. It's by faith that this happens. Uh, now, I think the kind of faith that Matthew shows us here uh, can be often misunderstood in our world. Uh, I think in my experience, I've seen generally people uh, sometimes misunderstand faith in two ways. I think, first of all, it's not a blind, uh, leap-in-the-dark kind of faith. Uh, The kind of faith we're seeing here is actually based on the facts of what Jesus has already done and what he's already said. It's actually faith based on evidence. It's the evidence of Jesus raising the girl from the dead. Uh, The evidence of Jesus uh, healing the blind and uh, helping the mute to speak. It's faith based on evidence, uh, but it is still faith. Uh, it's trusting in the power of Jesus to save, rather than trusting in ourselves. Uh, faith is the vital part of uh, of Jesus's new world. And, uh, secondly, I think the second way that we might uh, misunderstand faith is, I think, uh, what Matthew shows us as important about faith is not necessarily the quantity or the quality of the faith here. Uh, you see, it's not about having a big faith. Um, in the end, I think. It's the object of faith that really matters. Uh, You see, it's all about Jesus in the end. Uh, All throughout Matthew's Gospel, we've seen different kinds of faith. We've seen small faith, uh, superstitious faith, great faith. But Matthew shows us that what matters uh, is that the faith that people have is in the saving power of Jesus. Uh, It's confidence in Jesus that really matters in the end. uh, Nothing else. Having great faith is a is a good thing and something that we should uh, seek to grow in, uh, but Matthew's narrative keeps showing us that it's uh, Jesus who saves, and it's about trusting completely in Him. Uh, but as much as we see good examples, uh, good examples of how to respond to Jesus in faith, we also see uh, an example of a bad response to Jesus. Uh, you can see it. It's uh, you can see it in verse thirty-four. I'm going to uh, pick it up from this. Second half of verse 33. So if you want to turn with me there, verse 33. And the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. Uh, I think the Pharisees and the religious leaders have continually been throughout Matthew's gospel uh, those who will not trust in Jesus. Uh, here we see another example of their hardness of heart. They see the mighty power of Jesus before their very eyes. Uh, they see him bringing in God's new world, and yet they refuse to follow him. You know, they can't deny his miracles, and so instead they question the source of his power. You know, they, rather than from God, they claim it comes from Satan, from the devil itself. And so I think Matthew presents to us the Pharisees as those who are not part of Jesus' new world. Uh, They do not experience the blessings of uh, the new world that God is bringing in. You see, to have the Son of God in front of you and to say that he works by the power of the devil is to be without hope for a new world. Uh, To deny Jesus is to leave yourself uh, suffering the brokenness of this world without any chance of being saved, without any hope for the future. So friends, let me ask, um, have you responded to Jesus? Uh, If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian person, uh, can I implore you to turn to Jesus and trust him today? Uh, You've seen for yourself, as we've been reading through Matthew 9, that Jesus fixes the problem of brokenness in our world. Uh, You've seen that Jesus is the one who brings in a, a world free from death and from destruction and distress. You've seen the way that Jesus shows mercy to those who come to him in faith. So why not turn to him and trust him today? Be a part of the new world that Jesus is bringing, the perfect world, the world as it should be. Friends, if you are Christian people, people who are already trusting in Jesus, can I encourage you to keep walking with Jesus throughout your days? I think our world is filled with challenges that that come to test our faith. Uh, The brokenness of our world can quite often leave us uh, disillusioned and uh, feeling heartbroken. Friends, as we uh, see Jesus in this passage, let's uh, be reminded of uh, the world that he brings in. But in the midst of our brokenness, uh, Jesus uh, brings the solution and the answer. Friends, let's uh, continue to walk with Jesus. Let's continue to set our eyes to him. Let's seek to grow in trust in him and set our hopes for the world that is to come. Well, uh, let me conclude our time together this morning. I thought what I might do is read from uh, Revelation 21. Uh, I was thinking of an illustration to help us understand the new world that Jesus brings a bit better And I realized that the Bible itself has the best illustration of what this world looks like. So I thought I'd read from Revelation 21, 1-4 to leave us with this amazing picture of the world that Jesus brings. Revelation 21, 1-4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Then I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, have passed away. Uh, Friends, this is the majestic picture of the end to which God is bringing all things. Uh, This is the picture of the the new world that Jesus brings. It's a beautiful picture of a world without brokenness. A world free from death. A world free from the curse of sin. And a world reserved for those who trust in Jesus. So friends, And I encourage us as we uh, head out into the week ahead, let's live setting our eyes to Jesus, uh, looking forward to this new creation that Jesus brings. How would I pray that God would help us to do that now? Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the fact that it reveals the truth about our world, that while our world is beautiful and wonderful, it is so filled with brokenness. Father, we experience it each day uh, in our families, in our workplaces, in our country. We see uh, the brokenness of death, the brokenness of illness and disease, the brokenness of sin. Father, we thank you that in your kindness, uh, Jesus has come to uh, fix this brokenness. Uh, We thank you that in your mercy, uh, Jesus has come fulfilling the promises that you've made Uh, that he ushers in this new creation, the wonderful new world free from the brokenness of this world. Uh, Father, we pray that in your mercy you would help us to set our eyes upon Jesus, to keep looking forward to this uh, promised day when Jesus returns and the new creation comes in fullness. Uh, Help us to persevere today, even when it is hard. Help us to live for you and help us to... Plead with others to turn to Jesus and to uh, be forgiven and saved. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.